Welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. Merry Christmas. What an awesome time of the year this is. One of our favorites, one of your favorites, I know. We celebrate the goodness of God towards all mankind in his gift to us, the gift of Jesus. And I'm telling you, the gift of Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Jesus just keeps giving love and he keeps giving grace and he keeps giving mercy and he keeps giving healing and he keeps giving prosperity and he keeps giving you everything you need to succeed and prosper in this life. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Today we're going to get into the word of God together. We began a series on the broadcast a number of weeks ago about the rise of reverence. And this came from a series we did here at Legacy Church in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. And that was before we got this sanctuary open. Take a look around me. We're in. We are in, glory to God, we're in the sanctuary and people are coming and we thank God for it. And uh, a lot of amazing work has taken place. So many faithful people have sown time, they've sown energy, they've sown finances into this project. And we believe the Lord sees it. He sees that offering given from a heart of faith and a heart of love. And when he sees that, then you know he receives it. If you wanna be a part of this ongoing project, we're getting so close to the completion of this part of it, but we've still got uh, opportunity for you to sow into it. And if you do, uh, then we welcome it. If you're watching inside the United States today, you can sow uh, via text message, just text uh, the key phrase LTV and any dollar amount to the number 28950. If you'd like to give online, you can do that at pearsonsministries.com. Or if you'd like to write a check, you can do that as well. Just make it payable to Pearson's Ministries. If you'd like to see that go into this buy up and build out project, just designate that somewhere on your check. Buy up, build out, B-U-B-O. Just make a mark, we'll know where it goes. But we wanna thank you. Partners, those of you who've sown into this already, or you've sown into the operations of, of Pearson's Ministries International, Legacy Church. We thank God for you. We thank God for your seed and we know it's working and you need to say it out loud right now. It's working. My seed is working. God sees it. He receives it and it's an open door of access for him to go to work in your life. Now, like I said a moment ago, we've been in a series here in the church talking about the rise of reverence. As, as our reverence for God comes up, so comes up his manifestations in our lives. When we acknowledge him and receive what he says, hear his word, take it as a command, put it into practice and, and, and walk in it, that's like an open door that God can pour out his presence in, into our lives, into this house, into your house. So we're gonna get back into that together today. Let's, let's get our Bibles, get into the word, and I'll be back in just a moment. First Timothy chapter three, Paul is writing to this young man, this young pastor, Timothy, and he's talking to him in verse 14. He says, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Did you know that that's who we are and that's what we are? That is the place and the significance that the church holds, that the church held then, that the church holds today. We are, according to the word of God, the pillar and the ground of truth. That's a big deal. Right now in the world where we're living, 
in the culture that we're in, truth is so subjective. Truth is so personalized. Truth can be whatever you want it to be. But that's not the truth. The truth is something that stays constant, unchanging, unending. No matter what's going on around it, the truth is the only firm foundation. And what Paul wrote to Timothy and said here about the church, he said the church of the living God is the pillar and the ground of the truth. That's the significance of the place that we hold in this society. Both our part in it and our part as members of the global body of Christ. But he wrote to him and said, if I'm delayed, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Does it matter how you act in church? We've got verses of scripture here. Paul saying, listen, the only reason I'm writing is if I can't get there in person. But if I can't get there in person, I'm writing now so that you will know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, how to behave in church. Do I have any other church kids in here, church brats, kids that just grew up in church? Anybody else? I see a few hands around the room. You grew up in church. I grew up in church, man. I feel like we were there every time the doors were open. Now, I was born into a ministry family, so we were in church a lot, but we were in church and then some. My family had conferences and conventions and not just one or two. I mean, they were doing them on the West Coast. They were doing them on the East Coast. They were doing them in the South, in the North. They were doing them across the world in other countries. And my mom and dad, as often as they could, would drag me and my sister from our home in Fort Worth, Texas. And it was, it was commonplace to be on a plane headed somewhere else going to church, going to some conference, going to some meeting. But then around junior high my parents started pastoring the church that we were a part of there in Fort Worth. And that's when life changed a little bit for me. I was always a PK or a PGK, preacher's grandkid, if that's a thing. But then all of a sudden I became the pastor's kid. And I, I've toyed around with the idea of writing a book called My Life on the Front Row. <laughs> the, the trials and triumphs of a full-time preacher's kid. And I figured out somewhere, I don't know, junior high, high school, that's like, okay, look, Jeremy, you're living in a fishbowl. You know what that expression means? People are watching. And I thought, well, just keep the glass clean, man. If you're going to have to live in a fishbowl, you might as well keep the glass clean. And I realized pretty quickly that people in church were watching, people outside of church were watching, and it was a big deal how you act in church. The way you behave in church. Now, if you grew up in church, depending on how your mom and dad handled it, you might have experienced that, that sharp, pointy elbow, <laughs> your mother's right elbow in your ribs. Why? Because this is church. Stop laughing. Stop giggling. Wake up. Stop smacking. Whatever, you know. And we looked at uh, those things. I, I, I don't know if you saw this or not, but we found that whole list online, how to behave appropriately in church. And we were laughing about it, but the truth is there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of different ways of thinking about it. And some of it depends on, you know, if you grew up in church, well, what kind of church? Was it a denominational church? Was it a charismatic church? Because there's a difference in the way those two people act in church, right? Uh, a lot of it had to do with maybe what part of the country you grew up in. Some parts of the country are more reserved. Some parts are a little bit louder. Then you have Texas. I mean, it just really depends on a lot of different factors, right? 
And some of that's good. Some of it's nothing but tradition and it's empty. But if the Bible has something to say about how we conduct ourselves in church, do you think it would be important to take a few minutes and make note of it? He says, I'm writing to you here for one reason, that you know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. Now, oftentimes we think of that and all of a sudden we immediately connect it to something stiff, something rigid, silence. Shut up. We're in church. That's not really exactly what he's saying here. But if we will be diligent to make note of what he's saying, I think you'll see today and as we study this more that there's a connection between how you conduct yourself in the house of God and what you get out of the house of God. How you act in the house of God is really inseparably connected to what God's able to do for you while you're in the house of God. I want to get out of our time together as much as God has for us to get out of it. I don't want to leave anything on the table, as they say, right? I want all of it. Well, what we're going to find out is a lot of it's connected to the way we conduct ourselves. Now, he, if you back up, we won't take time to read it all, but he is writing to Timothy, talking to him about bishops in the church. That just means overseers. That might mean a position like what Sarah and I hold or some of the, the leaders that we have under us. Then he writes to deacons, and really that could just be summed up by talking about people who serve. That's literally, in those two words, he's covering every person in this room this morning. Those in leadership and those who are serving. And when you look back at the things he talks about and the requirements that he has from those individuals, there's one word that shows up once, shows up again, shows up again, and it's reverence. Why don't you say that word with me? Reverence. This is one of the prerequisites for those who lead, for those who serve. And again, he's talking about the way we conduct ourselves in church. It doesn't matter what denomination you grew up in or what part of the country or part of the world. If you're going to look to the word to instruct you on how to behave in church, then you'd see here right away, there's going to have to be some reverence in it. Now, again, you, you got to stop with the immediate connection to that stiffness, that rigidness, that solemn sobriety where the, the don't make a sound. What reverence is, and I believe the Lord will help us see this clearly as we go on. Reverence is simply knowing what to do when. Knowing what kind of moment you're in and responding accordingly. Some of the greatest times we've had in church is when we're laughing. I mean, we had a few weeks ago in here where Sarah was leading worship with our crew and, and this new song was coming out and the words came out kind of jumbled. It was brand new. And yet the glory of God hit this place. And the presence of God filled this place. We weren't, we weren't being silent. We weren't being rigid. There was a moment where the Lord was doing something and we yielded to it. That's reverence. Now there are those moments when the presence of God can be so thick, can be so heavy and weighty with his glory that all you can do is be silent. That's reverence. Reverence is about knowing what kind of moment you're in. Having enough spiritual maturity to just recognize it. I tell the story on myself sometimes. Uh, when my parents first started pastoring our church, like I said, junior high, eighth, ninth grade or so for me, a year or two into pastoring, they started doing these Monday night meetings. They called them Miracle Mondays. 
and they had this evangelist come in. This fiery guy, man, he was one of those guys. You, you would come to the front for healing and he'd say, what's wrong with you? And somebody would start to talk and he'd say, shut up, be healed. And just kind of like, okay. And yet people would get up well. And uh, so these were the kind of meetings that they were having on these Monday nights. And a lot of people were coming out to them. The little chapel sanctuary that we were in when we first started, my parents first started pastoring, really only held a couple of hundred people. But man, it was packed. And we were seeing some awesome things. And I remember as a kid watching mom and dad and their leadership team and, and their prayers, especially on these Monday nights and when this evangelist would come in. It just, the whole atmosphere was different. But as a preacher's kid, you, when you're young enough, you start to get this sense of, what's the right word? Liberty? Like you can kind of go anywhere. You can kind of do anything, right? And I remember walking into the speaker's room of that little chapel, and it was small. It was really small. I mean, maybe just this little corner right here. And I walk in, and that evangelist is there, and mom and dad are there, and all their prayers are standing around, and man, it's quiet in there. Church is getting ready to start. And I walk in, and I kind of see everybody, and I walk over to the chip drawer, the snack drawer. <laughs> Open that bad boy up, grab me some Doritos, pop that bag open. I'm standing around eating chips. Nobody's saying a word. It's quiet. All you can hear in the whole room is Jeremy eating chips. And I thank God that there was at least enough spiritual awareness in that moment to go, I don't think I'm supposed to be in here right now. And even if I am, I don't think I'm supposed to be eating chips in the middle of this moment. That's beginning to learn the reverence of God. And I know it sounds silly and we're laughing a little bit about it, but you would be amazed at how many, not junior hires, not high school students, full-blown adults don't have the ability or the spiritual maturity to walk into a place and, and just... Sense, and I don't even know if that's the right word, but that's the only word I can think of. Just have a sense of what the Lord is wanting to do right then. There's a way, there's a right way to conduct ourselves. And if we'll find out what it is, it will elevate how much we get out of this service. It will increase how much God is able to do in our midst. And I think we're going to see today that there are some little changes, just little things that we can change or tweak that open up a whole new degree of the manifestation of the presence of God in the house of God. Did you find Acts chapter 9? Look at that with me as well. Acts chapter 9, another verse we looked at last week. And if you were with us last week or you were tuning in, I have to apologize. I got so excited about it. I think I tried to just cram too much into one service, but give me a break. I'm young. I'm learning. We just started pastoring. Like, what time is it? Not very long ago. But in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, it says, Then the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. They were edified. That means they were built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord... And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. They were increased. What was the source 
or the catalyst of the increase, the multiplication of this church. And this church was growing and growing fast, miraculously, exponentially fast. What was the source of it? Well, there's a number of things throughout the book of Acts that you can identify. But the thing you see here in chapter 9, verse 31, they were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And that word walking is important because that indicates to us this was not just a Sunday from 10 to noon kind of thing. They were walking in it all the time, day in, day out, living in these two things, the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now, these two things are not two different things, but rather two sides of the same thing. And they were walking in it all the time, all the time, all the time. And whether you're talking about a church that grows or you're talking about a business that grows, anything that grows and grows miraculously fast, anything that grows and grows faster than other things like it, there's got to be a reason for it. And I believe that you could bottom line it and say the reason that this place would grow or that place would grow when all others aren't, it's because people are finding something there that they can't find everywhere else. I believe it's their, the, the reason is they're finding something that impacts them, that changes them, and they, they, they hadn't found it before, and they can't find it anywhere else. And that's true about a business that creates a product. What, what, why, would a, why would a product just explode and everybody buys it? Well, because it does something for them that's either they've never had done for them before or something else claimed to and it couldn't. But on a spiritual level, why would a church grow? Or why would this church grow? It's because these people were finding something in this place as a part of this company connected with these believers that they had never found anywhere else, nor could they find anywhere else. And in just make it as simple as I can, I believe what they found was the reality of God. God was real to them. That's what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord. It just means God's real to you. You're not casual with it. You're not flippant with it. He's real. He's really, really real. And that sounds so elementary, but it really is that simple. The fear of the Lord begins with the acknowledging that there is a God. He's real. He's real. And coupled with that, they were not just walking in the fear of the Lord, but in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That was real to them. They were finding something that they'd never found before. And you can't find the comfort of the Holy Spirit somewhere else. The comfort of the Holy Spirit is not found in a bottle. The comfort of the Holy Spirit is not found in a drug. The comfort of the Holy Spirit is not found in any other kind of connection or relationship or anything else that this world has to offer. The comfort of the Holy Spirit is only found in the Holy Spirit. And that's walking with this reality that God is, he's real, he's real, he's real. How many would raise a hand in here and say this morning, I know that God is real. Has God made himself real to anybody else in this place? Well, let me ask you this. Could he be more real? Is there more yet to see? That's what we're going to find out today. I'm telling you, I don't think I've ever made a promise like this before, but I will promise you something this morning. If you will hear this, receive it as a truth, 
put it into practice in a very short amount of time, you will be experiencing greater degrees of the manifestation of God in your life than you ever have before. I know that's a big promise, but we're going to find it in the word today. Uh, go back to the book of Leviticus. We also looked at this together last week, but I want to spend a little more time with it this morning. In the book of Le Leviticus, start in chapter 8 with me. Leviticus 8. You've already told me that you believe God could be more real to you. Do you want that? Do you hunger for that? That really should be one of the most prominent thoughts, one of the most, uh, help me say it, Lord, how do you say it? You and I ought to wake up with that kind of hunger every day. That no matter how much of the glory of God you saw the day before or in times past, you're hungry for more today than you've ever seen or experienced before in your life. Thank you, Lord. And in uh, the book of Leviticus chapter 8, look at the, verse, the first verse there. Chapter 8, verse 1. Notice what it said. The Lord spoke to Moses saying... Just stop right there. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, that's a big deal. We read it. It's got to be hundreds of times throughout the scriptures. Whether he's talking to Moses or you back up and he's talking to Adam or Eve or Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, whether he's talking to one of his prophets, whether he's talking to David, we read it so often that we forget what a big deal it actually is. That the God of the universe would talk to people. We sit up in here and we nod our heads to it. Oh, amen, that's good. But you know, just like I do, when you even allude to God talking to you out there in the world, man, people will raise an eyebrow at you in a hurry. You are crazy. What's worse is somebody gets on TV in an interview and says, God said to me, oh, excuse me, what? He said, God said to him. But this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And don't ever think that God only speaks to special people, certain people. Oh, yeah, we've seen his word. He spoke to Adam. Well, obviously, first man ever. He's going to have to say a few things to him. Okay, well, well, what about Abraham? Well, that was, you know, that's Father Abraham, right? You know, the father of many nations. Okay, well, what about Isaac? Well, he's one of the patriot. Folks, you can go down the list, and you are going to end up with a list of hundreds, thousands of special people. At some point, you're going to have to acknowledge, okay, they're not special, in the sense that, that God spoke to them and wouldn't to somebody else. The Lord said to Moses, that needs to, to stand out to you. That needs to grab your attention. Because if you're willing to admit that he spoke to Moses, he spoke to this one and that one and the other, just the, the list that we've mentioned, then at some point you're going to have to acknowledge that God desires to speak to you. And I'll give it another step beyond that. Not only does he desire to speak to you, but you can hear him. Yes. You have the ability to hear the voice of God.
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.